This is episode number 52 with the manager for the Florence Freedom, Dennis Pelfrey. This will be Dennis's fourth year as manager for the Florence Freedom in 2018. Um, last year, they actually were runner-up in the Frontier League. And prior to managing the Florence Freedom, he was an assistant coach for the Gary South Shore uh, Railcats. In this episode, he actually talks a lot about how under Greg Taggart, who was the manager for, for Gary when uh, when Dennis was there, how important that was for his coaching career and, and how much he learned from Greg during that time. Um, I also want to let you guys know that I have an affiliate marketing deal with Blast Motion Sensor. So Blast Motion Sensor are bat sensors that are that you place around the knob of your bat. It measures, you know, attack angle, how long you're on playing with the bat for, um, the bat speed. Uh, normally they're $150, but if you type in PJB25 um, in the coupon code area for Blast Motion, uh, you'll get $25 off. So if you go to blastmotion.com, click on the baseball to buy a, a sensor, it's normally $149.99. If you type in PJB25, you will get $25 off. So make sure to go check that out for sure. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode with the manager for the Florence Freedom, Dennis Pelfrey. Welcome to Patrick Jones Baseball. My name is Patrick Jones, former professional baseball player and host of this podcast. My day job is a podcaster and my night job is a baseball instructor. Please email me at jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com if you're interested in getting hitting lessons from me. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and let's get to work. We are now live with Dennis Pelfrey, field manager for the Florence Freedom. Dennis, thanks for coming on today. I greatly appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate you. Hey, so uh, baseball is back. Um, you know, you're in Florence now. Um, what was the off season been like for you? Because I know it's there's there's a big gap between the end of the season and the beginning of the, the next season, especially for indie ball. Even though you guys play a hundred games, uh, what was the off season like for you? Well, the off season every year is is long for for independent baseball. Um, you know, obviously you see MLB clubs starting up <clears throat> pretty quickly. You know, once the new year begins and you know, we're kind of waiting around, but this year in particular was, was very long. Um, you know, after the season we had last year, which was special, no doubt, um, you know, finishing, you know, two wins short of the championship and then having to wait, uh, until, until spring training. I mean, we still have a couple more weeks now and it still, it feels like it's crawling. So it's, it's, it's been a rough one. I mean, obviously, um, the, the, the roughest part of it all is it was the passing of our owner, Clint Brown, who was, you know, became very close with me and um, we had a very good relationship and, you know, what he's done for this, this organization in the, in the city of Florence is, is second to none. And, and, you know, he was, he was very special uh, in this place and, you know, losing him was, was, was the toughest overall. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Sorry about that loss. Uh, let me take you back to kind of the playoffs last year. If you could, if you could go back, do you have any regrets over anything that kind of happened? No, no regrets whatsoever. I think, uh, you know, we played the game the way we played it opening day, uh, the way we played it game 32, the way we played it game 96. And, you know, that was kind of our mentality and, and, and you know, how we went about our business. We were going to play it the way we can play it and showcase our abilities from a player standpoint. And, 
you know, we're going to manage it and coach it the same. I, I think I see too many times, you know, at, all, at, a, at a lot of different levels, um, all the way up to the big leagues, that players and coaches all change the way they play when the playoffs come. Um, whether it's they're more nervous, afraid to make a mistake, those type of things. So that was kind of what we preached from from day one: was play the game, showcase your abilities, and, and be who you are. And it doesn't matter the situation, doesn't matter the game, just play. And uh, so you know, going back to your question, no, there's not one thing I would change. And um, I think we would have played it the same way. I think if we played five more games, we would have won three out of five. But you know, that's that's the way it goes. And uh, you know, Schomburg played a very good series, and, and we didn't perform well. Uh, you were just talking a little bit about of you know everyone kind of changes a little bit once postseason starts from you know college to the big league level. Um, do you mean like from a from a standpoint of you know they go with the hot hand versus the hand that got them there? No, um, not not necessarily. I think they put more stock into those type of things, um, which makes decision making a little cloudy. Um, but I'm mainly speaking on the field. Um, coaching third base the the third base coach isn't quite as aggressive the manager you know if he's in the dugout calling hit and runs and sacrifice bunts they're more apt to sack bunt and try to score the one run innings where during the season you know that team was the lowest in the league in sacrifice bunts but now they're bunting you know in the third inning so I think some of those things change um and you know it's hard for me to put my finger on what exactly it is whether it's being nervous or you know, want to make sure you get out to an early lead and get that comfortable, you know, be comfortable and get that confidence early. And, you know, but like I said, I've seen it from, from the high school level, you know, all the way to the big leagues, how teams change the way they play. And that goes from a coaching and players standpoint. So guys that are really aggressive on the bases during the season, not as aggressive in the playoffs. Uh, it's, it's a lot more focused in and, and things like that. So we try to be ourselves and we try to try to play the same game. Sure. Now let me take you back to kind of when you first started playing baseball. I know you played professionally, but growing up, you know, in, even in high school, were you, you know, this obsessed about about the game? No. Um, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I liked football better. I played football. Um, you know, I, I loved playing football, and obviously, you know, with my size, you know, I turned out to be. I say 5'10 on my baseball card, so probably really I'm 5'8. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I liked playing middle linebacker and quarterback, you know, in high school, and um, I really enjoyed that. And <clears throat> baseball, I was just, I was better at, I think. Um, my mindset was better for football, but, you know, baseball, I had, a, I had a bigger future, I guess, so to speak. And so, you know, grew, I grew up actually in Ohio, New Lebanon, Ohio, um, born in Dayton, and, um, moved to Texas for high school just because more opportunities for football and baseball um, college-wise and, you know, from a weather standpoint, being able to play baseball more games is, is uh, you know, was big. But I wanted to play two two or three sports, and, you know, I didn't really have the drive or the passion or didn't think that, you know, didn't say I'm going to make it to the big leagues. I just played and enjoyed it. And then after high school, I ended up going on, continuing to play. Um, once you got – once you signed and ended up playing independent baseball, was there ever were you thinking about you know maybe I could one day get to affiliated baseball? You know, I really thought that in in college. Um, I went to Northwood University in Cedar Hill, Texas, and it was a we were in NAIA school, which I love NAIA players and schools, and I think that the baseball talent is very good. You know, just for us, for example, I felt like with you know our number one or number two on the mound, we could compete with any team in the nation. Every Division One team. I mean, you know, the difference was they just had more depth as far as arms and things like that. But you know, back to your question, I felt like I put, put up pretty pretty good numbers 
uh, my junior year and my senior year. Um, felt like I should have been drafted and had a little chip on my shoulder because I didn't. You know, I'm sure like a lot of you listening out there, same type of thing, but um, felt overlooked and, you know, all those things. So um, I was at a Houston Astros tryout and, you know, I ran a good 60 and hit a home run in the in the game. And, you know, this is the best thing. This is what drew, started my drive, I think, you know, in, where I wanted to be in baseball, whether I was playing or, or coaching. Uh, you know, he told me that, oh, you can play, you need to be playing and I said to him, well, why, why don't you sign me? And uh, he's like, well, you know, I can't. I said, I'll go for the plane ticket or whatever, you know. And uh, <clears throat> he's like, well, let me call somebody. So right there in front of me, he called Eddie Dennis, who was the manager of the uh, Rio Grande Valley White Wings in the Texas Louisiana League at the time, and asked if uh, he needed a shortstop. And, you know, Eddie's like, yeah, when can he be here? And, you know, I, lo- I was living in the Dallas area. The tryout was in Houston at the Astrodome. And I told him I'd be there, you know, in 12 hours. So I drove four hours back to Dallas and eight hours back down to Rio Grande Valley after I packed my stuff. So I got there in about 13 hours and uh, worked out. He signed me. And, you know, from then it wasn't about making it to the big leagues. Still, it wasn't about getting an opportunity to affiliate a ball. I treated that as my big leagues and, you know, controlling what I can control. If that, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but I'm just going to enjoy myself and, and play. That's definitely the best mindset I think to have. Um, while you were playing independent baseball, did you ever have the fear of being released? Because that's a big fear for a lot of players. <clears throat> no, and I think that I think once you have that fear, once you feel that creeping in on you, I think it just snowballs for you, and then it eventually happens. Um, I just played, and you know, to be honest with you, I did get released. Uh, I played six years of independent baseball, and going into my third season, Greg Taggart um, took over the Dubois County Dragons in the Frontier League. Uh, this was going to be my second year with Dubois County. Had a pretty good season the year before, and Greg Taggart took over as manager uh, in 2001 and uh, <clears throat> brought me into camp. And last day of camp or cuts, you know, they had to cut down the roster. Uh, he released me. And, uh, you know, I felt like I had a really good camp. And, you know, he may not admit to this now, and, you know, I'm going to make sure he listens to this too, but – you know, he told me that I won the job, but, you know, he was going to go with this rookie second baseman. You know, my, the classifications came into play. And at that point, as a player, as a player, I didn't realize what classifications were. And I thought, you know, it was like high school, baseball, college. If you're the best guy, you're going to play. Um, excuse me. So, you know, it was one of those things. So I stuck around. I had enough money in my pocket for one plane ticket. The guy I rode up with from Texas had got released like five days before that. And so, you know, I asked him if he could help me find a place, find a job. And, I had, you know, like I said, I had about 200 bucks for a one-way ticket, either home or to the next place. And, uh, you know, he, there was a league out in Arizona, I can't remember what it was called, that called him and needed a shortstop. And he told me about it. He said, well, give it, give it five days. <clears throat> We're going to go on this road trip. So they went to River City, I think, and played a three-game series, came back. And um, on his way back, he called me and said, hey, don't go, don't buy your ticket to Arizona. We're going to re-sign you. So, and then the rest is history. But you know, even at that point, I never it never sunk in to that that I was released. Even though he told me I was released and I was not a part of that club and wasn't on the opening day roster, my plan was moving forward. I'm I'm playing. Just where where is the next place? Whatever it was going to take. You know, where's the next place? It's pretty cool because I also think he ended up hiring you beyond your beyond his staff too, and I think that's a good lesson to kind of you didn't really even though he did release you, you didn't obviously burn any bridges. 
by being you know bitter about it because obviously you know you ended up he ended up signing you to his coaching staff up in Gary. Um, after your independent career was over, independent professional career was over, did you get into coaching high school baseball right away? Um, no, actually, I you know while I was playing independent ball, I was coaching at the college at Northwood where I went in the off season. Um, so I was doing that. Well, then when my you know career was over, the Northwood head job was opening up. Um, so I, I asked for my trade to Fort Worth. So just in case I got the job, I could quit baseball and take over the head, head job at, at Northwood. And, uh, cause I, I felt like coaching at that point in 2004 was, that was my last season playing. Coaching was probably going to be my, my avenue, my next avenue to make it to the big leagues, if you will. Um, so, you know, that was, that was a big, big deal for me there. So I got my trade. I didn't get the job. So I got traded back to Taggart um, to finish that season in the Springfield Mountain Ozark, Ozark Mountain Ducks. Springfield Ozark Mountain Ducks in the Frontier League um, in 2004. So I finished the season the last, I don't know, 20 days of the season uh, with, with Taggart then and retired from then and actually went into uh, the construction world. One of the kids I coached at Northwood, his dad was a vice president for a, a big construction company in Dallas and hired me as a uh, project engineer. I knew nothing about the construction industry at the time. And, uh, but he liked my personality and, and what I could bring to the table, I guess. And, uh, you know, I did that for a couple years and, uh, it was before being sent to Miami for, for a little over a year to build a high rise. Um, you know, I just knew that I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to, it just wasn't my thing. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot and I can do a lot of things around the house now, but, um, you know, applied for a, a, a high school coaching job. And uh, one of the kids I coached at Northwood actually was the JV coach at the high school, and there was an opening. So he he kind of started the, the thing for me and, you know, got into it. And I was the assistant varsity coach for three years and the head head varsity co- or the head coach of the whole program, you know, for the last six years I was there. Did you have to teach there too to be yes. a varsity coach? Yeah, I taught uh, a business computer class. So basically Microsoft Office, Excel, Word. PowerPoint and those type of things. And, and then while I was doing that, um, in the summers, uh, Taggart had actually called me to, to coach. I mean, he doesn't like to hire guys right after they're done playing because they're still a little itch to play. And, um, so he hired me as a, as a coach, you know, and I had to work it out. I had enough days saved up, you know, to take off, to kind of fly back and forth during spring training. And so I told him, you know, when he hired me that I was going to give it five years, five years as a hitting coach or, or, or an assistant coach to get a managing job. And if at that point, you know, but the timelines for me are big, and you know, at that point in the five years, if I didn't have a managing job in independent baseball, then I was just going to, I, I, I was not going to settle, but I knew that high school baseball was going to be my thing. And, uh, so you loved high school baseball. I, you know, I didn't, I don't know that I loved it. I loved the baseball, not necessarily some of the things that, uh, that kind of go in with it. The parents, um, you know, you hear all the, everybody always complains about the parents and, you know, it's, it's not that they're horrible people or anything like that. It's, I think it's just a lack of information, um, understanding and they want the best for their kids. I say it, I have a, you know, I have a daughter, a 13 year old daughter and I have a two and a half year old son. And obviously I want the best for my kids, obviously. And I think everybody does. And, you know, everybody's got opinions and those type of things. It's just the fact that you have to deal with those, you know, being a manager, you know, for the Florence Freedom, I see all kinds of posts on Facebook, some bad, some good about me as a manager. I don't have to, I don't have to listen to any of it or, or answer to any of it really, you know? So that's what you have to answer that stuff in, in, in high school because, 
you're getting paid to take care of their kids. Um, the paperwork side of it, I, you know, and to be honest with you, I liked in the classroom, teaching in the classroom the best uh, doing it. So, I mean, I did it for nine years and, you know, I didn't, did not hate it at all. But, uh, you know, I, I wanted to coach it at, at a higher level baseball to be able to teach a little, a little more opposed to just the basics, if that makes sense. Sure. No, absolutely. And then we were talking a little bit about before we actually started, uh, started this interview about how you get kids to kind of buy into what you want to compete. Um, how were you able to do that? I think going back to that same mentality I have with, with these guys here in Florence is allowing them to play and be themselves. I think too many times, and again, this is an opinion, too many times coaches try to mold players a certain way. You see Mike Trout, okay, this is how you got to hit. Well, there's only one Mike Trout. You know, there's only one Dennis Pelfrey. You know, there's only one of this kid. He's got to, you know, kind of pick and choose his things from other people. You know, take the information in and sort it out and see which one works best for you and, you know, what, what makes you the most confident. So I think instilling that in the players and letting them know that they're I'm going to let you play. I'm going to let you play, you know, and I'm going to show you things to do to get better. And, and I can show you why instead of just saying, do this because I say. I think that's kind of where the high school kids kind of bought in for us. You know, obviously they had me coaching there who had played professionally. I had Chad Rhodes, who is now a rehab coordinator um, for the Marlins. He was my pitching coach in 2015 here. Um, played double A with the Red Sox, 97 mile an hour arm. So, I mean, very credible right off the bat for those two guys. And then uh, my other assistant was a guy named Joe Beck who played at Northwood University, did really well in college, didn't go on to play pro ball, probably could have. Um, but uh, so we had three guys there, probably the best coaching staff, you know, in the nation as far as baseball coaches go. So that obviously helped, um, <clears throat> you know, so being able to tell the kids, this is what we're going to do. And this is why we're going to do it. Being able to, to explain why and how it's going to help them, I think made it easy for them to trust us and buy into it. Um, and, and really it's that simple and being, you know, being a good, a good person and, and, being straight up with guys, I think, is, is is really important as well. So you you did that for nine years, ended up going up to Gary, as you said, you know, during kind of that time period. Greg Taggart's, you know, notorious for being just a uh, one of the top managers in all of, you know, independent baseball, really professional baseball. What did you learn from him? I owe that guy my career. I mean, in all honesty. Um, you know, him releasing me my third year, that was when we first met, and then signing me, signing me back and – you know, looking back on it now, I was a staple in his lineup because even when he signed me back that year in 2001, I wasn't an everyday guy. I was a role player off the bench. I'd play some second, short, third, and it just got to the point throughout that season where he couldn't take me out of the lineup. And it wasn't because I was great. You know, if you look at my stats, I think I was like a 260, 280 career hitter, you know, nothing special, five, six homers a year or something. I don't, I don't even know, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> but I wasn't like a phenomenal player or anything like that. So, I think what I brought in the clubhouse and the type of player that I was is what he really liked and what he really grew to like. And, um, you know, so I was a staple in the lineup the next couple of years and, you know, starting or whatever. And, and, uh, we fell short a couple of times for some championships. And then, like I said, we, you know, we, we talked over the years and he was, you know, like a father figure to me, so to speak. And finally talked me into coaching. And when I get there, I mean, he let me be involved in everything. He let me, you know, be involved when he talked about 
uh, player procurement, um, salary cap, how it all works, trades, and you know from the jump because he knew that I, you know, he knew that I was going after a management job, so every year he was going to help me, you know, do that. And I don't think he would have helped me if he didn't think I could do it. And uh, you know, he always called and put in good words uh, for every place that I that I applied for. I, you know, I applied for Joliet twice. Um, I think finished second twice. Uh, you know, the second time against Jeff Isom, which you know. I couldn't go up against that guy. He was, you know, his resume and, and what he does is, uh, was much better than me, you know, at that time and probably still is. So, um, you know, me going up against him was a, a no brainer for Juliet to take Jeff, Jeff that second time. And, you know, I finished in the running for Schaumburg when they reopened and came into the frontier league. Um, and then when I got this job, I was, it was between me and another guy for the Sioux Falls Canaries job in the American association. And, and then this job opened up because Fran Reardon, who was here, who actually I played with in Dubois County in 2000, um, took a job in the Oakland A's organization. So Clint Brown didn't call me first. He called Greg Taggart <clears throat> because he interviewed Jamie Bennett, who was in Schaumburg, and passed on him and went with somebody else, uh, maybe maybe Fran at the time, and Jamie had won two championships. And so he immediately called Greg Taggart because – Taggart has has been a guy <clears throat> who's not only had great success as a manager. Um, I think one losing season in twenty three seasons. Jeez. I mean, he's you look up his numbers. He's never he's had a couple years where he's been you know fifty and fifty or you know five hundred, but only one time in his career, and I think it's twenty three. It might be twenty two years. He's finished under five hundred. So and it happened like two years ago. So he had gone like twenty straight years without having a losing record. But he also has sent coaches. Um, to a bunch of different places. Andy Haynes, perfect example. He was a hitting coach in Dubois County when I played for TAG. Then he got a job, <clears throat> managing job for Windy City in the Frontier League for one year. Got a job with the Marlins, made it all the way up to their AAA managing position. Now he's the assistant hitting coach for the Chicago Cubs at the big league level. Whoa. Guy never played. You know, never played independent baseball, never played affiliate baseball, but the type of guy that TAG knew what he was at the time and molded him and He's worked his way, and he's there. Kyle Haynes, his brother. Kyle played for, for Greg. I coached there when Kyle was there. Obviously, Andy helped Kyle a little bit, but so did Greg getting this guy. Kid. Now he's a double-A manager in the Giants organization. Um, Brendan Segarra, pitching coach, was uh, in Dubois County with Andy Haynes, and uh, he is now the pitching assistant pitching coordinator for the Chicago Cubs. He was with the Marlins for the last three or four years. So um, obviously Jamie Bennett and Schomburg. I played with Jamie Bennett for three years. Um, we're very good friends, and he got a job in Schomburg, myself. I mean, there's there's several other ones too. Pasquale Santiago, the hitting coach in Normal that Billy just hired. Yep. He worked for TAG. So, so essentially if you want to be a coach. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think TAG's got a nice niche there if you ever wanted to uh, – just uh, you know how you have the private lessons for pitchers and hitters, you private lessons for coaching. I think Tech right. can make some money doing that. So, but uh, he's a phenomenal man. Um, you know, like I said, he's he's like a father figure to me, a role model. Um, you know, he's he's what I strive to be in this game. Um, that type of uh, consistency and that type of character, and you know, and everything that he brings to the table. I can't say enough great things about the guy. When you were up in Gary, were there things like in-game scenarios or in-game situations that that he would manage certain ways that kind of you know really really kind of caught you off guard? Like, man, I didn't really know I should be doing that in this situation or that situation. Not so much from an offensive standpoint. Um, you know, he gets a he gets a bad reputation of 
A lot of guys talk about them being small ball. That's well, not. Well, first of all, I've taken BP in that park up there. Yeah. And I, like, I don't have, I don't have, you know, incredible power, but I've got a little bit. That place is the hardest park I've ever hit in my life. I mean, you got to have like Barry Bonds power to hit it. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, the steel yard will definitely humble you. Yes. Um, you feel like you catch one good, and it's 20 feet short of the warning track. I think in four years coaching there, I saw one home run in a game to dead center. Um, which was had to be a day that I think the wind was blowing out, you know, which was odd. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely a big yard. But what people don't realize is that means you can put up a lot of doubles and triples. Um, and you know, to me, the home runs great. You know, a lot of these guys on, in the big leagues talking about launch angle and and looking for the long ball. And you know, you got Stanton and Judge and, and you know playing for New York. They're going to hit some home runs, but they're going to strike out a ton. And I, I can't stand strikeouts. Um, I want the guys that are going to lead the league in doubles. You know, Jordan Brower for us led the league in doubles. Those are the type of guys that I want. I want guys that are going to, you know, take the extra base, you know, those type of things. So, and I think Tag is, you know, he he creates the same type of environment, same type of um, players, guys that are going to play fast. They're going to be able to play good defense because you got to be able to play good defense in that Steeler, especially in the outfield. Um, And then guys that can take the extra bases, so hit the singles that are in between doubles and get a you know take a double every time and and do that. So it's not necessarily a small ball. He's going to bunt when he needs to bunt. Um, You know he's a guy that's not playing for a five six run inning. He wants to score two or three every inning. That's the idea. So um, you know if it's first and second, nobody out in the fifth inning in a zero zero ball game, he's probably bunting. You know, but I think most guys are. So I'm not real sure where the small ball mentality comes. I think probably because they're they're the lowest in the league in home runs every year, but. Like you said, like you said, you know, half their games are at the steel yard, which is the toughest park that I've seen to hit home runs in. So, um, but back to your question, not really offensively. Cause I felt like we were on the same page a lot. Cause I played for the guy, you know, for four seasons. Um, but some of the things in the dugout, when he was watching the other team, I always made it a point to be around him in the dugout because of the things, oh, he's going to steal here and boom, the guy would go or, you know, he'd call a pitch out. He'd be like, hey, hey, you know, get the catcher pitch out. Boom, guy was stealing, throw him out. It was it was amazing how good he was at predicting what was going to happen or being able to see because he'd seen so much of it, I guess, to understand what guys were going to do before they were going to do it. That was what was the most amazing to me. Um, you know, pitch calling, you know, get the catcher's attention because he didn't call the game for the catchers, but every once in a while, every inning in a big situation, he'd call a pitch and it would be – I can't remember him ever being wrong, you know, which, you know, he probably was. But to me, that was the most amazing part of what Greg Taggart does is the the, the thinking about what the other guys and the other dugout are doing and not so much our offensive stuff because it was pretty similar to what you would think any manager would do, you know, hitting runs and bunts in most situations. And, then, you know, at times he let me call – he let me, you know, manage the game from third base. I coached third for him for most of that time and – you know, once he trusted me, I got to call that and control the running game when I was coaching first. So, and I think that was that was kind of for him. It was okay. The biggest thing for him was understanding what the other team was trying to do and taking care of that. So that was that was pretty impressive. And then didn't he doesn't he write his lineup a certain way when it comes to like the best hitter hits like in the fifth hole or sixth hole or is that kind of like how does he how does he put together his like offensive lineup? Is it pretty similar to everyone? No. Um, it's with with the guys that he has it's more it's a more balanced club so you don't necessarily have a prototypical four hole guy that's going to hit some home runs and strike out um you know he likes guys that are going to put the ball in play he likes guys to be dynamic 
in certain situations. Uh, leadoff hitter isn't isn't typically a, a typical leadoff hitter. He likes, I think, his best hitter in that leadoff spot. Do you do that too? Then, um, no, no, I don't. Um, it's it's hard. I, th- I like my best hitter in the two hole. Um, you know, some people like him in the three hole. I, I like my best hitter in the two hole because I can do a lot of different things. If I have a dynamic guy leading off, um, I definitely don't have a dynamic four hole. I mean, last year we had Andre Mercurio, our center fielder, who's you know he'll he'll probably uh, get a little upset, but I think he's like five foot tall. But uh, no, he's you know he's a smaller guy. He's five five seven, five eight, uh, maybe even five nine with spikes on, but. He's very dynamic. He can hit a home run. He hit you know five or six last year. I can't remember, but he can do a lot of different things in the in the box. He can he can hit and run. He can bunt. He can sacrifice bunt. He can bunt for a hit. Um, he understands situations very well. Um, as far as if there's a runner on third, less than two outs, he's going to drive the run in. So it was pretty. It was an experiment last year, and I actually talked to Tag about it before I did it. I said, well, you know, what do you think?" And I explained to him why I was doing it. You know, into a lot more detail than I than I did right there, but on on my reasoning behind it. And uh, you know, he 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 liked it, and he's actually going to try something similar this year, I think, with his four hole. Um, but I basically wanted to create a second type leadoff guy. Uh, in that four hole spot and obviously you know whether i was right or wrong it worked out very well for us andre was an all-star in the four hole for us and you know we set a franchise record for wins and you know all these other things happened so i I think it worked out really well for us and you know i'm not saying that andre will be in that four hole again this year but it's it's a very very likely uh, spot for him again we we also were talking a little bit earlier how you're kind of notorious for for not only signing affiliated guys. I, I don't think Andre was is an affiliated guy. Um, why kind of is that? You know, it's I you know I don't know. I don't I don't know why it is. I think uh, it's hard for me to get away from the hunger factor. Um, I think guys, and if you go look at Andre Mercurio, go look him up. Look up the story. I mean, he that was a guy who went to a pretty high profile high school. He wasn't an everyday player in high school. A guy got hurt, so he got to play every day his senior year. And San Jose State actually came out, and he signs a Division One scholarship when this kid probably thinking he's never going to play baseball again, not even playing in high school. And, uh, you know, had a very good, very good uh, season, in, you know, or career in, at San Jose State. And he actually just sent an email. And I try to, you know, I try to reply, um, try to reply to all of them. I obviously don't, but. I look at every email and look up every player. And if something's intriguing right off the bat, I'll keep looking and, you know, but he was an email that was sent and I saw that story and, you know, did some more research, more research and, you know, offered him a contract off an email, never saw the kid, you know, and which was pretty amazing. But the story is what I thought he would bring to the table as far as in the clubhouse. So my thing is more clubhouse type guys. I think, and again, this is an opinion and I hate to stereotype, but I see it all the time in independent baseball as a player and as a coach, I saw it. When guys from affiliated baseball get released, they're a little bitter, especially that first year. And it's tough for those guys to transition in, into independent baseball where it is more of a team game. And it is more about winning, um, you know, at least for the Florence Freedom. It's more about winning and and being a team and being in, and enjoying yourself. So I think that's the toughest transition for affiliated guys that first year. Now the second year – if they played independent ball for a year, they understand what it really is because most affiliated ball players don't know what independent baseball is. Well, people don't in general. Exactly. So it's a it's a very good uh, it's very good baseball, and 
you know, if you get to see it or get to be around it, you understand it very quickly. So I think that is a big reason why I don't really go after the affiliated guys. But if a guy recommends the guy to me, then I'll definitely look at him. I mean, uh, Chad Rhodes uh, with the Marlins recommended me a guy on the, I was driving up here, uh, a 10 hour drive from, from Destin, Florida and recommended me a guy, looked him up on the drive, you know, and talked to a few other people and, uh, you know, offered him a contract and he agreed to sign. So, I mean, it's going to be, you know, those type of guys because Chad knows exactly what I'm looking for and he knows the type of guy he's going to fit in this clubhouse because the clubhouse is the most important to me. If the clubhouse isn't good, the stuff on the field is not going to be good. Why is the clubhouse so important to you? Because we're, we're with each other, you know, 12 hours a day. That's, that's the thing. It's, that's what a lot of people don't understand is these guys will get here around noon, one o'clock, um, and want to do early work. We have a couple cages here. We're fortunate, you know, so we can do that. Um, they, they, they want to work and they're around each other all the time, the bus trips, the hotels. So if you're not, it's, it's, it's like a, a family member that you, that you don't like. I mean, if you don't like being around them, you're not going to go out of your way except for, you know, maybe Thanksgiving and Christmas and that's all the only time you're ever going to see them. Right. So if, if that's the type of attitude or, or, or the thing going on in the clubhouse and it's going to be tough for you guys to perform on the field. Yeah. I, I completely understand that. You guys went really far last year um, throughout the course of this offseason. Were you looking to make changes for this year's uh, roster, or was it just kind of adding, you know, one piece here or there? What was kind of your mindset? I mean, uh, you know, ultimately with that club last year, you know, I would love to have every single one of them back. Um, and if, if we could have done that, we would have and not signed another guy. Um, the, the reality of it is a couple guys age out. Um, obviously we had four guys get picked up by affiliated clubs throughout the season. Um, and the guys who filled in for them did a fantastic job as well. But, um, you know, you have all these different factors, guys retire, you know, Daniel Fraga, you know, one of, one of the guys that, uh, that I really liked, you know, in 2015 coming out of college and the type of guy that I really liked, the grinder, the great clubhouse guy, you know, not going to blow you away with numbers or size or BP or anything like that. Just a great dude and a great a great guy for independent baseball. You know, he, he gave himself a timeline. He was going to play three years, and if he didn't get a shot in affiliated baseball, then he was going to move on. And he stuck by it as much as I didn't want him to and, you know, tried to talk him out of it a little bit. Um, you know, he did that Collins Q thrill. Hasn't re-signed yet. You know, he's waiting on a possible college job. Uh, you know, he may come back this year, but, you know, he's probably going to retire too. So uh, Tony Vaca, a guy that was here since since day one, um, <clears throat> you know, retiring. So, you know, three years is about the max for, for a lot of guys. There's some guys that play longer. You know, like I said, I played six years because I just never wanted to stop playing. Um, but, you know, we've got to find – we've got to figure out who's not coming back first and then try to fill those voids. Like Phil and Taylor Oldham's offensive numbers is going to be next to impossible. Um, we were fortunate that we got a chance to get him back this year during the season because Jose Brizuela got picked up, who was on the verge of being the league MVP last year. Um, and I think he would have been if he would have been with us the rest of the season. But the Dodgers picked him up, and Taylor slid right in and filled those offensive numbers, which was great for us. But it's going to be tough to fill those two numbers for our, for our third baseman this year. So, you know, we've got a couple guys coming in, a, a couple guys that have played independent ball only, uh, and – or one guy's played independent ball only, and one guy that's um, you know played some affiliated baseball that played at Vanderbilt, and pretty pretty dynamic player. Um, so they're going to battle it out, and whoever the best guy is, and that's who we're going to go with. So playing in the Frontier League is it's such a tough league for those for those who don't know. I mean, it really is a really good competition, top to bottom. Um, 
like you were saying earlier, you get emails all the time from players who wanted to play because it is such a good league. Do you recommend players go to tryouts? Because I know there's so many players, you know, go to tryouts and it's so hard to, you know, anybody can have a good day that day or bad day. Or would you say, you know, go to the Pecos, go to the Empire, put up some numbers, and then and we'll talk? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. It really is. Um, there's not, I don't think there's a right answer. Because, like you said, at a tryout, you know, for example, we have the league tryout that we're hosting here on the 23rd and 24th. It's a two-day tryout, but there's going to be, probably over 300 300 people here trying out so it's pretty tough and 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 to be honest with you it's it's going to be almost next to impossible for me to lock in on every every player there so you've got to to go to a tryout you really need something that's going to flash whether it's your 60 time you know i'm not a huge fan of the 60 time i want to see you run the bases but you know a lot of guys want to see the 60 time see the speed so if you have a good 60 you know that stands out or if you have a big arm you know and i think the best advice i'll give and I, and I, every trial that we host, um, you know, for Florence, that's individual. And when I talk to these, these players is be yourself, just like I tell our guys, be yourself. So if you're not a home run hitter in BP, don't try to hit home runs because you, it, you're not going to look good doing it most likely. Um, so just be who you are. And you know, that's, that's the biggest thing. So when you, if you go to a one day tryout or a two day tryout or a week long tryout, be yourself. And uh, I think that that's the best advice I can give you. You know, the Winter Leagues, California Winter League, um, it's a great thing as far as being able to see guys for an extended period of time. The toughest part on that is the the competition that you're playing against may not be the best. So it's hard to see if the, what you do is translate. So I know some guys get upset when they hit 400 in the California Winter League and nobody signs them out of there. Um but it comes down to your swing and how it will play, you know, because the Frontier League is a very good league, um, and people don't understand. I mean, there's 90-plus mile-an-hour arms every time, everybody out for the most part. I mean, I think, you know, with the exception of one guy, I think everybody on our pitching staff is a 90-plus guy, you know, or at least tops out over 90. So are you going to be able to handle velo? Or did you hit 400 against guys throwing 70 in the California Winter League? You know, so it's it's just a tough dynamic. I mean, I don't think there's a right answer on – on what to do. I just think if you want to play baseball, then you do everything that you can do. You know, you go to tryouts, you go to the winter leagues, you go to, you know, call coaches, email coaches, see if you can get a private workout, um, continue pushing and try to make contacts. You know, most guys aren't going to answer emails. Most guys aren't going to answer text messages. Uh, but you know what? Keep bugging them. I mean, who cares? The worst they can tell you is no. Um, Pecos league. I played the Pecos league last year. You sign players from the Pecos League. Uh, it kind of gets a bad rap from a lot of people. Um, what are your thoughts on that league? I love the Pecos League. Now, I've never seen a game in the Pecos League, but I, you know, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. But <clears throat> three years managing in, in Florence, I've signed at least two or three Pecos League guys every year. Um, last year, we got Zach Kirby, we got uh, Eric Glees. I know Mike Morris played in Pecos. Mike three Morris years, yeah. played three years. Austin Newell, one of the best hitters I've seen in independent baseball, played with us in 2015 and 16. He played three years in the Pecos League. Um, and here's what I'll say about it. When when a guy tells me that they don't want to go to the Pecos League because they've heard so many bad things, they probably heard the bad things because from a guy that either played in the Pecos League and didn't get, get an opportunity somewhere else or got released 
and, and maybe had a bad experience, maybe. But the bottom line is what I look at, when I, I look at the Pecos League before I look at the Pacific Association, before I look at the Empire League uh, or any of these other leagues, because here's what I, what I know. The travel, the pay, the fields is all tough. I don't want to say bad. I don't want to say uh, it's just tough. And if you can perform at a high level going through those things, then you're a guy that, that we're going to look at. Marty Anderson, great example. Left-handed pitcher in 2016, Pecos League, dominating the Pecos League. Has a sub-3 ERA. You know, to me, if a pitcher in the Pecos League has a sub-3 ERA, he's doing some things because it's a hitter's league <clears throat> or hitter's parks. But uh, we sign him. We're, we're trying to fight our way back in to make the playoffs. So we can't afford losses. We can't afford bad outings. We sign him to come start. He throws a bullpen for us when he gets here. It looks good. His stuff's going to play. We're like, oh, this is good. Never thought to ask about the running game. You know, didn't think it would be an issue. Left-handed pitcher, right? We go to Windy City and uh, his first start. Um, I think he threw two and two-thirds innings, and we pulled him out. We were losing like five or six nothing. He had walked like three guys and uh, given up one hit. And I think we had one error. So we had, I think he had a total of six base runners, and I think they had 12 stolen bases, something like that. <laughs> Coco Johnson walked to lead off the game and stole second, stole third. Next guy walked, he stole second. Coco stole, Coco stole three bases in the first inning himself. So, um, you know, because he couldn't control the running game, I had to release him. But his stuff's going to play. He's a 90-mile-an-hour left-hander. Released him, called me the off season, talked to him, said, "Hey, you can come back to camp, but if you can't control the running game, then you're not. I mean, obviously you got to work on your stuff too, but you got to be able to work on the running game." We re-sign him, bring him back to camp, and it's a complete 180. He's able to control the running game, not just not just you know keep an eye on it. He's controlling it now, which was incredible. And uh, sure enough, he's dealing for us, and the New York Mets come calling, and he gets picked up. You know, um, I didn't necessarily think he was ready as polished as he needed to be. The guy never played never played college baseball, but got him out of the Pecos League. But he got released this offseason. We got him coming back this year, so I'm, I'm pretty confident he'll get picked up again this year because of his stuff. His stuff's going to play. So, um, But, yeah, you, you can find those guys. We find better guys than uh, than anywhere else out of the Pecos League because yeah, of those things. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad you brought that up because we're going to have a lot of guys listening who are, who are looking for jobs. And, I mean, I, I played – for you know in the Pecos League last year, we had five guys living in the clubhouse the entire year. You know what I mean, and yeah. and really didn't have the and really made it work. And uh, it was a lot of we ended up winning the championship. And um, I'm really happy I went out there and played the Pecos League. Yeah, and you probably had some negative thoughts going into it. You oh, really I wanted to play. Really negative thoughts. I was like, man, do I want to go out there? Like yeah. everyone says, you know, you don't go out there. It's going to kill your career. It's going to do this and that. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and you're from this area in Florence. I know you wanted to play for me. Not, you know, I've seen you several times, yeah. and it just, it just was never a fit for us. And what you, what you were bringing to the table, and what we had, you know. So, uh, I'm glad you did it, man. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad you did it. And we just got our, actually, just got my ring in uh, a couple weeks ago in the mail. So got my, uh, got my championship ring, and and uh, we'll be able to share that forever. You know, exactly. Nobody will ever be able to take that from you. Um, and you know, like I said, you know, there are a lot of people do talk bad about the Pecos League, but I think what Andrew uh, Andrew Dunn does there in that league, I mean, it's survived a pretty long time. I mean, yeah. out of the four main leagues, there's no other league that can, you know, has survived as long as the Pecos. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the Frontier League's right there with him. But. No, 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 I meant like Frontier, American, 
oh. um, Can-Am, Atlantic, outside of those four. No doubt. Like, beside, after that, like, there's no other league that survived as long as the Pecos. No doubt. No doubt. Um, let's, go, let's, get, let's go back to kind of your career a little bit um, as a coach. What are your goals for the future? Do you want to be a, a big league manager someday? Reds need some help. <laughs> well, um, you know, I think long term, I would love to be a coach in, in on a big league or you know on a big league club. I, w- I don't have to be the manager. I just I want to be able to help. I want to be able to help. But you know, going back to when I was when Tag hired me as a coach for the first year, he's like, "Well, what do you want your title to be?" And I said, I don't, "You can put me down as the janitor. I don't care. I just yeah. I want to help guys. I want to be able to help everybody. I want to help pitchers. I want to help everybody. And I just want to win." So um, I don't necessarily have to be a manager. I mean, being a fourth coach, throwing BP, and you know, working with some infielders or something like that in the big leagues would be would be a phenomenal job for me. Um, I'm not so sure that I'm ready or want to even take that path because I love independent baseball so much, and it's probably because I never really had a taste of affiliated baseball. But I love independent baseball because you can build your own club. You can build the club the way you want it to, and uh, and, and watch it, you know, unfold throughout the season, whether you did a good job or you did a bad job putting together the club. And, uh, I mean, but the control and, and, you know, the people you get to surround yourself with because it's a long season. And you think about in the big leagues or, you know, in affiliated ball, they're, you know, over 100-game seasons as well. If you're around a bunch of guys that you don't like, it's going to make it miserable for you. And then I'll probably start taking it out of my wife, and then she'll probably divorce me. You know, that, <laughs> you know that type of thing. So, uh, you know, she's uh, – my wife's very understanding, and, you know, I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have her because she she's letting me do this and allowing me to, uh, you know, live out my dream, so to speak. And I'll tell you this, if if I spent the next 20 years as an independent manager, um, I would be extremely happy. Um and I would just be pursuing and, and trying to match what uh, Greg Taggart's done in his career, you know, that type of thing. And I think I would uh, I would die a happy man. Awesome. Dennis Pelfrey, really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, best of luck. You know, this upcoming season will definitely be following along. Uh, one of my good friends, Mike Morris, is on the team. So I'm sure I'll be down here uh, before I uh, leave for the, for the summer to go coach in the Great Lakes League to check you guys out. And um, really, really hope you guys pull it out this year. Well, thank you very much, and you know I appreciate what you're doing with this podcast. I think uh, you know you're going to reach a lot of people and get a lot of different information out there, but you know a lot of different opinions from different guys and how things work. And I think you're going to help some help some people, which is great, man. I I really do. I you know I had I reached out to you because I wanted to come on and at least give a little bit of my side. And uh, but again, kudos to you and what you're doing, man. Appreciate I think it's it. I think it's awesome. Thank you.